and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and an occasional baseball watcher. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, and secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past, but I think you might have known that already. Each day, I'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. Today, in 1934, the illustrious New York Yankee slugger George Herman. Babe Ruth, signed a one-year contract for $35,000. This was a pay cut of $17,000. He'd been playing for the Yankees for 15 years and brought them to four World Series championships, so a pay cut was not exactly warranted. He was an important jewel in the Yankees' crown. The pay cut was in part due to an ongoing feud between Ruth and Yankees manager Jacob Rupert. Ruth's performance had declined as he got older. But Rupert was also reportedly annoyed with Ruth stealing the spotlight for so many years. The fight over the 1934 salary went back and forth between as contrasting numbers as $65,000, Ruth's suggestion, and $25,000, Rupert's counter. At the $25,000 suggestion, Ruth said, I expected a cut, but that's an amputation. The two eventually agreed on $35,000, and it was a cut from previous salaries for Ruth, but he was still the highest-paid baseball player in America. Plus, Ruth negotiated an earn-as-you-go clause that got him 25% of the net receipts from exhibition games played during the championship season. And, in the end, that gave him more money at the end of the season than he would have had with the higher proposed salary. One might say the move was ruthless. Hehe. <laughs> You can't talk about Babe Ruth without talking about the curse of the Bambino. The Bambino is Ruth himself and refers to the year 1919, the year that Ruth was sold from the Boston Red Sox to the New York Yankees for $125,000, cursing the Sox to an 86-year shutout from the World Series. Before the sale, the Sox were one of the most successful teams. They had won the first World Series and then gotten five of the first 15 titles. That all ended when they got rid of the old Bambino. In turn, the Yankees did a glow-up and became one of the leading sport franchises in America. The curse is an important centerpiece of the classic Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. The Red Sox owner, Harry Frazee, was also a theater producer, and he used the proceeds of the sale to finance a number of productions, most famously No No Nanette. The productions never went that well, and Frazee was ridiculed for selling Babe Ruth to finance some not very good plays. The Yankees weren't done taking Red Sox valor, though. In 1921, the Red Sox manager became the manager of the Yankees. Other Red Sox players were also drafted and switched to the Yankees, fueling the rivalry. Yankees fans would taunt Red Sox fans by screaming, 1918, at games. Fans attributed tons of Red Sox losses to the supposed curse. In 1946, the Sox were at their first World Series since they'd lost Babe Ruth. They were favored to beat the St. Louis Cardinals, but the curse certainly couldn't let that happen. After a tie, the Cardinals pulled ahead and kept the Sox cursed. Two years later, the Red Sox finished the regular season tied for first place, but then lost during the first ever tiebreaker one game playoff the next year they would have won the pennant if they'd won either of the last two games but instead they didn't 
To add insult to injury, they lost both games to the Yankees. The Yankees would then win five World Series in a row. In 1986, during Game 6 of the World Series, the Sox were leading the series 3-2. They had a 5-3 lead at the top of the 10th inning. Sox reliever Calvin Schiraldi took out the first two batters, so they were only within one out of winning the series. Instead, in short order, the Mets scored three runs and tied the game on a pitch from Bob Stanley. The Mets then won the game when the Sox first baseman, Bill Buckner, allowed a ground ball to roll through his legs. The Red Sox lost 8-5, to and the curse lived on. Poor Red Sox and poor Bill Buckner. This incident caused New York Times columnist George Vexy to bring the rumors of the curse to the sports pages of the New York Times, expanding its prominence. For the Red Sox, the losses and embarrassments would go on and on and on and on. The Sox would be ahead, but then lose in spectacular and unexpected fashions. Fans tried over and over to use counter curses to break the curse of the Bambino. They even placed a Boston Red Sox cap on top of Mount Everest while burning a Yankees cap at base camp. In the Ken Burns documentary, Baseball, former Red Sox pitcher Bill Lee made a similarly outlandish suggestion. He said that the Red Sox should exhume Babe Ruth's body, bring it to Fenway Park, and apologize for trading him to the Yankees. The Bambino lore was intensified when Dave Shagnessy published the book The Curse of the Bambino in 1990. Shagnessy's book even became required reading in some schools in New England. Talk about influence. The curse ended in 2004, when the Sox finally won the World Series again. Phew, that was a long curse. Today, in 2020, Orla Gartland released Heavy, which became the song of the Normal People trailer released on Hulu. Normal People is based on a popular novel by Irish writer Sally Rooney. Gartland's song, Did It To Myself, was also featured on the show, Gartland's song feature in the normal scenes of the series Normal People, like while main character Marianne puts on makeup or goes to meet her boyfriend. Orla Gartland gained popularity when she posted videos of her singing covers to her YouTube channel. To go from that to having a theme on a super popular TV show is a huge accomplishment. Plus, she was only 25 when Normal People aired. The author of the book that the series is based on is Irish so showrunners made a point of selecting Irish musicians for the soundtrack of the show. And now for our final segment of the day, I will be going into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a January 15th in my life. January 15th, 2017, I went out with my friends in high school to go do a photo shoot in San Francisco. Um... Just for fun, I since I grew up in the Bay Area, I think maybe this is the case for a lot of people in high school, but I had a lot of photographer friends and, you know, one of the things that I would just do with my friends is like go out and do photo shoots basically. So um, I went with my friend Allie and Liam and we just kind of drove around, got food, took photos. We looked nice. I remember that was like, 2017 was really like the beginning, I think, of me wanting to find a sense of confidence in myself and style. It was also when I started making music, I think. And so that was um, the beginning of it all, really. So 
I don't know. I have a really fond memory of that day and getting photos back of myself that my friend Liam had taken and looking at them and not hating the way I looked for the first time in a really long time. That was really nice. That was a nice feeling. So, um, yeah, I think getting to a point where you feel like the way you express yourself to the world is the way you want to be seen can be a long process and sometimes it changes every single day and that's okay too, but you will get there. Thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you can come back tomorrow for more facts from yesterday. See you. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.